What's up? How are you all? Okay, so if you don't know me, I haven't been up on the stage before. My name is Lexis McCormick, and I'm on staff here at CSF. Um, I work with our freshman ministry. So where are all my freshmen at? I love you all. Um, and so typically I'm hanging out with them on Monday nights, but now I get to be here. Um, also, just another little fun fact about me is that I'm currently in seminary at Asbury Seminary down the road. Um, kind of cool. Uh, still have some time left there. Wish it was faster. But let me just go ahead and start by saying, like, from the very beginning, I just think it's absolutely crazy that I'm on the stage right now. Like, truly, as a freshman in 2015, I never would have imagined or even thought to dream up, like, being up here. Um, and so it all feels a little bit surreal today. And all in all, I'm just really thankful to get to be here with you guys. So before we start, let me go ahead and pray for us. Um, Jesus, I'm just thankful um, to open your word. I'm thankful for your scripture. I'm thankful that you have something to teach us. And so Holy Spirit, would you come tonight and would you speak through me? Um, would you speak in spite of me? <laughs> if there's something that I need to say, just make me say it. Um, I'm just wanting to be obedient to you. And so, Lord, would you help people to hear what you have to say to them tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're currently walking through our adulting series and discovering what it looks like to follow God as an adult. And so last week, David walked us through 1 Timothy 4.12 and how our life is really like this training ground and that we're actually called to set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so this week, we're going to shift our focus a little bit to everyone's favorite topic, commitment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just feel like commitment's one of those things that, like, you really, you probably think you're really, really good at, but then something happens and you're like, well, maybe I'm not. And so I feel like I'm pretty good at committing to things, I feel like I'm pretty good at like staying true to my word, but then something crazy happens when you agree to preach a sermon on commitment, and all of a sudden your life turns into this big sermon illustration that you have no control over, and so that's what happened to me this week. On Sunday, I was feeling really called by God to do a fast, and I felt like he was asking me to do a fast that was longer than any of the other fasts normally that I do. I normally do like a fast from a meal, or like fast for 24 hours. And so, you know, I was like, okay, 24 hours seems good. So I looked at my calendar, opened up my little Google calendar, because I live and die by that thing. That is the only thing that gets me where I'm supposed to be at any time. And I look at the calendar and it says, okay, good. So 24 hour fast on Wednesday, that sounds good to me. And so I go to our staff meeting on Monday and we're sitting there talking about what's happening this week. And Paige says, hey, so if anyone wants to join us, we're starting our 48 hour fast. Um, it starts at dinner tonight and we're gonna be going till dinner on Wednesday. So if you wanna join, you just text me, let me know. I'm like, yeah. That's the thing the Lord's asking me to do. And so immediately I text Paige, John, and Jade, and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm coming to the feast on Wednesday. I'll be fasting with you all. Just wanted to let you know. So we get done with staff meeting. At the end of staff meeting, David walks up, and he's like, so, hey, Kate was supposed to come and speak this week. She has COVID. I then could speak, but also my daughter Brooke is sick. Fred could speak, but also he has a funeral he has to do. 
And so, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And he was like, are you sure? Do you have enough time? I said, no, it's actually really weird. I have a lot of extra time on my schedule this week. I also don't have a whole lot of things like that are due for school. And so this is actually a great week for me to just randomly preach a sermon on Thursday. And so I said, count me in. And when I got home on Monday night, I gathered up all my school assignments, got on Canvas, was like, okay, what do we have going on? And I got all my CSF responsibilities all into one to-do list, and all of a sudden, I'm panicking. Because I'm thinking, how in the heck is all of this going to happen before Thursday? And also, how is this going to happen before next week for school? Like, I'm thinking through all the different things. So I'm thinking, okay, okay, okay. Maybe I can cut out the fast, because maybe that's just a little bit too much to take on. Like, maybe that's, like, kind of too crazy, like, when you're trying to preach a sermon for the week. Like, maybe I shouldn't fast. And I'm like, okay, also, maybe I won't go to that prayer meeting tomorrow, because that's not, like, actually mandatory, and so I'm not going to actually go to it. And then I'm like, okay, also, maybe I won't go to class. <laughs> like, my professors would, like, totally understand, because it's, like, it's, like, seminary, right? They would get it, and I'm like, okay, or maybe I'm all of a sudden just like spiraling, thinking about every single thing that I could cancel in my life, and so all of a sudden, to back out, I have to back out of everything, and I and I caught myself because how in the world am I going to to preach about commitment? on Thursday night, when every single day leading up to it, I'm flaking on every single responsibility that's in my calendar. And so I looked to the Lord, and I started praying. Lord, you knew that all these commitments would fall on the same week, and you knew that I would have more time than normal, and I believe that you have a word for these college students, and I will wait on you to bring it to me. And y'all, it's crazy, kind of wild, how the Lord shows up in the things that we commit to. The fast that I got to do with those 30-day students, it was freaking amazing. I feel so close to the Lord this week, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fast that I did. And that prayer meeting that I went to, it was worth it. And class, it was class. <laughs> but I feel like I learned something by going. And, and so all these things that were actually planned in my life were actually really beautiful even when they were kind of hard to commit to in the first place. And so tonight, I want you to hear me say that I, too, struggle with being committed and staying true to my word. And I think that that's actually part of the culture that we're living in. It's like actually normal to be flaky. In fact, we almost kind of expect it. Like, I don't think I have to give you the stats on what divorce looks like in the United States. Like, I think either by research or at least just by knowing someone in your life who's gotten a divorce, like, we know the stakes are high. And I think when you ask a friend to hang out, you're halfway kind of expecting, like, oh, shoot, sorry, can we reschedule? Or when someone asks you to hang out, you're trying to figure out, how can I actually commit to this thing without actually committing to the thing, right? And so I actually saw this TikTok the other day. And it was this guy how to, like, explaining how to perfect this art of like, committing but not committing. And he basically said that, hey, if anyone asks you to hang out, just pretend like you have to pick up your the perfect excuse. And I was like, okay, tell me more. Like, how, how can I have a sister? I can totally say that. So I'm like, okay, perfect. And he's like, so if you actually want to hang out, 
you can tell them, oh, actually, someone else is picking her up, and so last minute, I can totally join in. And they're like, oh, perfect, so amazing. And then, if you, like, actually want to go to the plans, but then you get kind of bored, you, you have the out to be like, oh, like, actually, my sister's at home, and I'd probably, like, go hang out with her. And I'm, like, literally watching this TikTok, and I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 so I'm going to pick up my sister from the airport. Like, what? I don't, I don't need that excuse. If I can't go, I should just say I can't go. Or if I want to go, I should just go. <laughs> and so the truth of the matter is we're surrounded by flakiness. And it kind of rubs off on us if we stick around long enough. But really, commitment matters to God a lot. In fact, some of the most beautiful things in life are based on commitment. Think about an Olympic gymnast. Are they going to get gold if they're not committed to their sport? Think about the best parents. Like, they show up to every game, every performance. My mom's in the back. <laughs> Great parent. They're involved. Think of your coach. Think of a teacher in your life that you loved. Like, they were committed to making you a better athlete. They were committed to making you a better student. The best adults in our lives are the ones who are committed. And so before we fully jump in, I'd love to maybe redefine that word committed for us because I feel like I've said it a million times and I'm like, what does it even mean, you know? And so because I looked up what commitment meant, it said that one of the definitions when relating to people was that it's wholeheartedly dedicated. Wholeheartedly dedicated. And as soon as I read that definition, my brain immediately was like Matthew 22. And so let's go back to that scripture that Cole read for us. And it says... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor. Law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That word love that Jesus uses, some of you might know where I'm going. The kind of love he says we should have for God first and our neighbors. It's a certain kind of love that in the Greek is called Agape love, yes. And this love is a pure, it's a willful, it's a sacrificial love that desires another person's highest good. It's a love that requires faithfulness. It's a love that requires commitment. It's a love that requires sacrifice without expecting anything in return. And because this love is so wide of a term, it's actually really hard to put it into just one English word, but the people who translate the Bible said, all right, love. That works. And so, in fact, one of the commentaries I read, it said that in the different verses, it means a slightly different thing. And so in that first verse, 37, where it says, love your God, it says, that love is the love that takes pleasure in something and prizes it above every other thing without being willing to abandon or do without it. That's the kind of love that we get to have for God. Whereas in verse 39... When the agape love is in reference to our neighbor, it means something more along the lines of welcoming, entertaining, being fond of, loving dearly. And so something I want to submit to you is that number one, maybe the act of commitment, the act of being wholeheartedly dedicated, looks a lot like this agape love that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 22. And if that's the case, then number two, Maybe these verses actually give us two ways to live out this whole thing called adulting. So let's look at the first part of this passage together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
Jesus tells the people that this commandment is the first and the greatest. So it sounds like to me he's saying this is the first thing that we have to do to do all the other things, right? And so your question might be, well, what does it even have your heart, mind, and soul? And you also might be thinking, aren't your heart, mind, and soul kind of like the same thing? And so it's, I would say, I'm so glad that you asked those questions, and let's walk through them. And so let's start with the heart. We're to love God with all our heart. Right off the bat, when I think of the heart, I'm like, that's pretty important to stay alive. I'm not like a biology major or anything. I was secondary English education. Um, but I do know that if my heart were to stop while I was up here preaching, we'd be living a pretty tragic night, will we not? And so... The heart is actually the center of our life, and if it's the center of our life and it provides life and blood flow to the rest of our body so that every organ, every tissue, every cell has life and can operate to its best ability, I think that what Jesus is getting at here is that at the very center of our being, we're to love God. Because at our deepest core, if our love for God is there, it's going to go all the way out into the rest of our life. In fact, this word in the Greek actually really encapsulates the other two things of our soul and our mind. And so then on to the soul. The soul seems to sum up all the intangible things about ourselves. Things like feelings or like desires, um, motivations, thoughts, your imagination. It's the stuff that makes us up in the inside. It's the things we dream about. It's the things that we meditate on. It's our engagement with our intellect and our academics. Hello, UK. It's our worldview. It's how we see the world. And I think what Jesus is getting at here is that we're to love him with everything that we feel and everything that we desire. That even beneath the surface, our desires and our thoughts would start to look more aligned with what his thoughts and desires are. And lastly, the mind. The mind is sometimes translated as strength, and sometimes different places in scripture will have both the mind and the strength, and Sometimes it has just the strength, sometimes it has just the mind, but really what Jesus is getting at here is that we're to put all of our effort into loving him. Like in Colossians on things above, where Christ is. And so if we put all those things together, the heart, soul, and mind, it sounds like a pretty tall order, right? Like how am I supposed to set my entire character and my desires and my effort to love all, all of it, love God? And the first thing I want to highlight is that Jesus says himself in Matthew 19, 26, that with man, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. He's abundantly able to change our hearts. But the most important thing is that God already modeled it for us. He sent his son Jesus to live on earth as we live and to live as an exam mind. And it's all because of what it says in 1 John 3. We love because he first loved us. In other words, we're committed to God because he's been committed to us before time ever began. He knew us before we were born. He knew us and he loved us while we were being knit together in our mother's womb. He's committed to us when we are so unworthy of being committed to. Like, what would it look like for us to be all in on that? To stop being lukewarm and to, like, draw a line in the sand and say, Jesus, I don't know how to do it but I'm asking you to help me to be committed to you. And Paul gives us some help on how to do this in Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we offer ourselves up as a sacrifice to God, when we offer ourselves up completely to God, he promises to be faithful, to transform and to renew us into people who have agape love seated within us. We become spiritually mature adults who are wholeheartedly dedicated. We're committed to him. That's the most important thing. Know that the Lord can change your mind and can change your heart to be one that is committed to him, even if it feels like you don't feel committed. Which brings us to the second part of our passage, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells us that loving our neighbor comes second because it's actually the love for God and his love for us that propels us out into the people around us. And when we start to think about who our neighbors are, I think they kind of fall into one or two categories, the church and the world. And it's through these two avenues that we learn what it's like to love our neighbors as ourselves. So let's start with the church. The church is made up of any confessing Christian. It's God's people. And Jonathan Pakluda, one of my favorite pastors, he defines these people as the people who carry your burdens and celebrate your victories. The people who help you pay rent when you can't make it. The people who visit you in the hospital. These are the people who are in it with us. They're in the trenches. And for me, this has looked like my local church here in Lexington, but also the people that I do accountability with. For the past three years, I've met almost weekly with Paige and Bree, and they're also on staff. And we've gone through a lot of seasons of what this group has looked like, and at times have had moments of where you're like in your head drama, like, uh, is this really even worth it? But the thing that we continue to look back to is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is that our commitment to each other as Jesus followers is to actually never give up meeting together and to encourage each other. Like that's what we're trying to do here in community. That's what we're trying to do with the church is literally just meet together and not stop doing it, and then encourage each other. And I know we talked a little bit about this at Shift a couple of weeks ago. Bree and I talked about biblical friendship and why it was important. But y'all, it is important to find people in our lives who love God and to commit to meeting with them and encourage them in their faith. And on the flip side, we need people to do the same thing for us. And that's one of the neighbors that Jesus is asking us to agape love, to wholeheartedly dedicate ourselves to. So who are you committed to? Who are the people that you're committed to right now? Or further, who are the people you need to be committed to right now? The other neighbors in our life are the people we come in contact with outside of the church. And this includes a wide range of people. It could really truly be anyone. Our professors, our physical neighbors, the person you pass on your way to class, anyone. And so we're called by God to love these people too, to draw from that love and commitment that God has given to us and to extend it out to the people around us. So like, just think for a second, what would it look like if we stayed committed to our professors who don't love Jesus? 
Like our mature commitment of turning in our assignments on time or like actually showing up to class, like getting out of bed and like walking to class and just being there, like that does something. Because when they see that commitment, when they see that life and way of Jesus, it becomes attractive to them. Like they're seeing you live out what Jesus would do if he was a student at UK. Jesus would do his homework and go to class, you know? And it's even the smallest things. Like when, like, when we're a part of a group project, like, do your part. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> group projects suck. Um, and so, like, you should be the person who follows through. Like, that's important to follow through on what you say you're going to do. And, like, when we tell someone that we're going to be somewhere, what should you do? That's so good. You should be there. Like, our commitment to others models the way that Jesus is committed to us. And so if he's committed to us, like, why can't I just go be committed to someone else? You know, like, why can't I show? In that sense, we just start looking more and more like Jesus every day. Like, who are the people that you need to show commitment to that don't necessarily deserve it? Like, which one of your neighbors needs a radical encounter with that agape, loving commitment that God is talking about? And even further than all of that, what would it look like if this whole entire room just internalized how much the Lord loves us? Like, Jesus quite literally came down to earth. He lived a life that was perfect. And then that perfect life was returned with being tortured. He was publicly humiliated. He was crucified on a cross, hung on a cross, and died. And he did it all to love you. All to keep his commitment to you. And then he rose from the dead, and he defeated death, and he made a way for us to live free of sin and free of shame, and he made it to where we could walk in agape love with him because he was committed to you. Like that kind of love, that kind of commitment, it's one that commits until it hurts. What would it look like for us to commit to people even when it hurts? Because I'm not so sure I'm good at it. Like to love God and love others even when it's inconvenient for me. And so as we close, I wanted to bring forth some questions for you guys to consider this week. And I think it's going to ask us all to take a long, hard look at ourselves because these are the questions that have been ruminating in my mind all week long as I've been grappling with like what it looks like to be committed and so number one what do I fill my time with when I analyze my calendar if you pull up your google calendar how much of my time goes to me how much of my time goes to God and how much of my time goes to other people like it's so easy as college students like your majority like single about you and you can easily be selfish with your time if you're not trying and so it's like, it's easy to be like, oh, you know what? I need some me time tonight. And it's like, you've had me time every single night for the past, like, however long. <laughs> like, do you really need more me time? Is it actually really that important? Like, we have to make sure that our schedules aren't so overfilled that, like, we just brush people to the side. Like, oh, do you want to? No. Oh, could you? No. Like, that's, that's not a way to live. Which brings us to our second question. If someone asked me to do something for them, would I be able to show up for them? Like, is there enough room in your schedule to show up for the people you love? I can't even tell you how many times I have not 
taken time to talk to my sister on the phone. Like, she'll call me, and I'm like, hey, I'm in the middle of something right now. And it's like, I'm just driving home. Like, and she's going to watch this, and she's going to see it, and she's going to be like, what the heck are you talking about? But, like, truly, like, the amount of times that I brush people to the side, or I'm like, oh, no, like, I'm too busy right now. It's like, I'm just listening to music in the car. <laughs> like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, this is something I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking it to you. Like, are you able to commit yourself to other people? And lastly, we're calling back to that first part of the scripture about loving God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. Number three, what does my commitment or love for God look like right now? Like, what are the places that need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind? If there's one thing I've learned in this past season, it's that the Lord is literally so able to transform and renew my mind. Like, I've shared this in shift, like, in years past, but... Truly, the Lord has delivered me from so many thought patterns I never thought I'd get out of. Like, he's helped me to escape anxiety spirals that I thought were going to exist for the rest of my life. Like, he's helped me take lustful thoughts out of my brain. It's crazy. And, like, he's taken those sinful patterns and not just, like, taken them away, but he's actually helped to renew my mind into seeing it as an opportunity to pray. Like, when I started night, I got anxious, and I went and I found Bree, and I said, I just, I'm spiraling, can you pray? And, like, literally from that moment on, I was fine. It's, like, crazy. Or I'm like, oh, I'm having this lustful thought. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to start praying. And then it's, like, moving on. We're good. It's so crazy. And so how does that happen? It happens because I have a God who loves me with agape love. Like the love that commits until it hurts. He's like, I'm not going to let you keep living this way. Like you don't have to keep having these anxiety spirals. You don't have to keep having these lustful thoughts. I'm here. I'm coming for you. Like it's the love that keeps trying even when I freaking give up on myself. Like he wants to do that for you. Like he wants to do that for you. He wants to mature you. And he wants to raise you into an adult who is wholeheartedly de dedicated to God and to others. Like, do you want to step into that? Do you want to have that? It might be a good idea to start processing through these things this week. Like, process through, like, am I actually able to commit to God? Am I actually able to commit to other people? Let's pray. Jesus, like, we just want to be with you. We want to know what it looks like to actually love you with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our soul. Like, Lord, would you teach us what it looks like to love you? And would you, like, bring us in so close with you that, like, when we're close to you, it starts transforming us from the inside out. Would you just continue that holy work and would you show us more of how to look like you for ourselves and for other people? In Jesus' name, amen. Also, if you guys are wanting some prayer or if you want to talk through things, I never used to take up this opportunity, but you should. It's awesome. Team, they'll be out in the breezeway, and they want to pray with you. So go.